I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome into the 49er Access Podcast. My name is Sterling Bennett, and today we are reacting to the San Francisco 49ers Week 18 NFL regular season finale loss, 21-20 against the Los Angeles Rams of San Francisco Falls to 12-5 on the NFL season. I know the game really didn't matter, but San Francisco did fail to sweep the NFC West for the second consecutive season. And of course, it is Black Monday in the NFL. And while San Francisco shouldn't be affected by any of those coaching or GM changes, uh, it is Black Monday. And while again, San Francisco is not going to play for two weeks now, it feels like it's going to be so long until we get to see our Niners play once again. There's a handful of NFL news happening. We're going to react to yesterday's game against the Rams. But first, we do have some NFL business to take care of. Uh, the Falcons did fire head coach Arthur Smith late last night, like was it 9 in the 12 a.m. or 11 p.m. last night. Um, the Panthers did fire their GM Scott Fitterer this morning. So they fired Frank Reich. Now the GM's gone and Bryce Young's like, dude, like why am I still here after one season? The Commanders this morning fired head coach Ron Rivera, which I think Many of us would say that was expected. Also, many of us would say, yeah, it's about darn time that happened. But, and the reason why I bring up Black Monday and the coaching and GM changes is simply because the San Francisco 49ers, year after year since 2019, have seen their GMs, their assistants, their coaches poached by other organizations. And this year feels like it's going to be like every other in the past because the commanders have requested to interview assistant GM Adam Peters uh, today. So we'll see if he does indeed leave. But Adam Peters being one of the uh, prime GM candidates for the Chargers, if they do make a change there, or they already have, and you know, who they're going to bring in. Um, the Commanders having so many ties to the Kyle Shanahan era in San Francisco. Uh, they always show the the coaches that were on that Commander staff with LaFleur, McVay, and Shanahan, and Slowick, and McDaniel, and Raheem Morris and so many others, uh, could uh, Adam Peters be one to join the Commanders now as they have a, I believe, a top 10 pick. Eric Bieniemy still in, in, in the office. Uh, they're prime for a jump up in the standings. The Giants aren't very good. They're going to keep uh, their head coach and defensive coordinator and offensive coordinator. So a lot of moves to come. Uh, but the NFL is in complete Black Monday mode. We'll see who else gets fired throughout the show and throughout the rest few days. Could Bill Belichick be gone? We'll have to wait and see what happens in New England. But diving into yesterday's game, I want to give two congratulations first 
The first being to the LA Rams. Uh, no, not the team itself. They can go ahead and screw themselves. <laughs> but Puka Nakua uh, for the Rams yesterday did indeed break the rookie receiving yard record. So yards in a single season for a rookie. That now is Puka Nakua's all by himself. I believe he beat uh, Justin Jefferson's record just a few years ago. Then in that exact same drive, he also broke the rookie reception record for a single season. So you could think what you want to Puka Nakua. Should he be a pro bowler? Should he not be a pro bowler? A stellar rookie season on behalf of the BYU product. Uh, a late round pick looks like the steal of the draft right now for the LA Rams. They got three good receivers, mainly Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua being the two main ones right there. Uh, and even Tutu Atwell made a presence in this game. So kudos to Puka Nakua. And it's funny too to look back on this game yesterday and hear what Kyle Shanahan had said in the post-game press conference of like, yeah, um, we knew Puka Nakua was going for the record. Uh, we knew McVay wanted to force-feed him the ball. Uh, they double-covered him a lot yesterday. Rams fans are pissed off because we wouldn't let them get the record early in the first half. Shanahan himself said that we wanted to make Puka Nakua play as long as we could. Um, that was shortly into the second half in the third quarter, but still, you make one of the Rams stars... I'm going to assume somebody they would have liked to have rest had he not been looking for a record. Uh, you made him play just over half a football game when he shouldn't have had to. So um, good job by Kyle Shanahan and, and uh, the defense of San Francisco. And look, I know, again, this game means nothing, but that goes into the gamemanship of uh, McVay and Shanahan. Uh, the drives, we'll get into those, were very long. They were tedious, a lot of running. 10-minute, 9-minute, 12-minute drives for both these teams. You can tell it was a get-in, get-out, nobody-get-hurt kind of game. But even within that, there was this, hey, we're not going to give you the easy way out and give Puka Nakua a record. Uh, even Diamondor Lenore said they were sad that Puka got the record. They wanted to hold him under both those uh, receiving yards and receptions for rookie records. Didn't happen, so Puka Nakua... Great rookie season. I'm um, sure many bright things to come if he can stay healthy. Uh, but he wasn't the only person we have to give kudos to because although he didn't play in this game uh, and it was a, a long shot for it to happen, uh, Chris McCaffrey ended this season as not only one of the greatest Niner seasons ever for a player, not just running backs, but as receivers, tight ends, and offensive player. He's obviously going to, I think, be the offensive player of the year when it's all said and done. I'm sure he'll get some MVP votes as well. But I want to give him credit because not only did he finish as the NFL rushing leader, getting the NFL rushing title with 1,459 rushing yards, excuse me, which in itself is impressive. He also finishes first in the entire league with rushes over 10 plus yards with 44. <laughs> and then he also finished with the most rushes of 15 plus yards at 20. He had the most rushing first downs at 83. He had the most receiving first downs by a running back at 31. And the most touchdowns by a running back at 7 when it comes to the receiving side of things. 7 receiving touchdowns. So, Puka Nakua, great year in yourself. Chris McCaffrey, 
otherworldly this season for the San Francisco 49ers. And again, that trade last year is at this moment one of the greatest trades in San Francisco 49ers history. Um, we know that. The world should know that by now. What a steal. What a complete and utter steal to get the best offensive player in the entire league basically for you know a, a, a year and a half so far for practically nothing. Is, is certainly impressive by a Niners team. Um, uh, Shanahan and John Lynch, I mean, my goodness, uh, the the fleecing of that deal is so impressive to know how, how important McCaffrey has been to the improvement of this offense, to see this offense put up the second most points by a Niners team literally ever, ever, Mainly because of Christian McCaffrey and, of course, Brock Purdy and Kittle and Ayuka and Debo Samuel, but, but Christian McCaffrey being the driving force behind the offense this year outside of MVP candidate Brock Purdy. Um, we have some more housekeeping here because there was one injury yesterday that many fans were like, oh my goodness, uh, could this be a massive uh, a massive setback for San Francisco? The whole point of Week 18 resting your starters were nobody gets hurt. Everybody leaves this game healthy. Uh, there was one injury, which, hey, Fox, when someone gets carted off, you might want to show it. Now, I get things happen. You have to go to commercial break. I work in radio. Things happen fast sometimes. But when a starter or, you know, a, earlier in the year, a starter for San Francisco goes down with an injury and they get carted off, you might want to show it because... Clellan Farrell yesterday, one of San Francisco's best run defenders as part of a top 10 run defense unit, he got carted off the field yesterday with a knee injury. Now, we did learn yesterday after the game that uh, when he spoke to Matt Barrows of The Athletic, doing great work over there, that it's not an ACL injury and it's not an MCL injury. Uh, everything seems to be intact, but the cart was there for precaution they wanted to take all the pressure off of the leg and make sure he's ready to go uh, for the playoffs. Now, it's likely that he could miss a week of the playoffs, so we'll see who they do indeed play in the divisional round. But at this moment, nothing is torn. Whew! Crisis averted. Everything seems to be, you know, very minor for Cleland Farrell. And knowing that San Francisco escaped yesterday with no major injuries is massive. Knowing you should be getting Jair Brown, Deshaun Gibson, Eric Armstead, Juwan Jennings, and many others back healthy. Uh, Chris McCaffrey should be 100% off the calf injury uh, in, in just two weeks' time. So uh, it seems like San Francisco is going to be as healthy as they have been basically since week number one, minus Talanoa Hufunga, uh, which is certainly... Uh, what you want to hear from your team heading into the playoffs, even after having the first round by. So uh, a lot of things, even after an L versus the Rams, uh, headed in San Francisco's favor going into the playoffs and uh, really diving into this game. Uh, I know San Francisco lost 21 to 20. I did predict we would lose 24 to 23 on our Instagram, which by the way, follow us at 49ers.access. Um, it just felt like one of those games where San Francisco really wasn't trying. Um, the effort, you can tell, wasn't there. Obviously, a lot of bench players in, a lot of young players going to make mistakes. Uh, you know, 
having not played all year long, there was going to be missed tackles, going to be missed coverages, going to be wrong routes that were being run. Um, and there was plenty of that on display yesterday at Levi Stadium. Uh, but I also thought it kind of made sense to lose this game. Now, uh, Dallas won the number two seed, won the NFC East. But mainly this came down to, you know, how do you want the playoffs to work out for you? I was a proponent of, I want to force the Rams to go to Detroit. If you're someone who is scared of the Rams and scared of Stafford and that offense, okay, make them go play. Arguably the second best team in the NFC outside of San Francisco. Uh, make Stafford have to go back to Detroit and beat or knock off the Lions. And if they can't do it, okay, then you have knocked off or you've seen one of your biggest opponents taken out of the way for you, right? And so uh, that works out in San Francisco's favor. You have a Cowboys team who, although will be at home, they're playing a Packers team that I think could make some, some trouble, some damage. Now, I wouldn't pick them to win that game, but I do think if you're San Francisco, um, you're pretty pleased in how the playoffs have kind of shaken out for you. You're on the bye. Philadelphia against the Bucks in Tampa Bay. Philadelphia looks like a shell of itself. Devontae Smith is hurt. Uh, A.J. Brown hurt his knee yesterday. Uh, Jalen Hurts hurt his middle finger. Who knows what's going to happen? They can easily lose that game. Uh, the Packers, I don't think, will beat the Cowboys, but could certainly upset them. I, I think there's a chance that does indeed happen. The Cowboys are a roller coaster ride, and if something doesn't go their way, uh, Green Bay's knocking on that door, uh, looking to break a star in half. And then you have the Lions and Rams, which... I don't care which way you shake that. Knocking one of those teams out of the playoffs only helps San Francisco. And so they lost yesterday, the Niners did. I think it was a good thing for them. I think it made sense. I'm not saying they tried to lose. We'll get into you know why they did indeed lose this game. But I thought it was a good thing for San Francisco to lose this game uh, yesterday because really no starters played. Sam Darnold got all the reps. At this point, who cares? Your eyes are towards, you know, in two weeks, divisional round at Levi Stadium, not against the Rams in a meaningless game in week number 18. Uh, so let's dive into what indeed happened yesterday at Levi Stadium. Uh, I was really impressed by both the quarterbacks on the field. Now, again, there's always context here, right? Uh, backups are playing. Uh, you know, how much can you glean from that? Um, but this was a showcase for both these veteran quarterbacks to, in a way, resurrect their career or at least make themselves a viable backup or even bridge starting quarterback option for teams next season. Um, I would assume Carson Wentz and Sam Darnold will not be here uh, next year. And... By the way, both these quarterbacks played more so Sam Darnold than Carson Wentz, who I think did play better than Darnold. Uh, I just think Darnold's younger side, his age, certainly helps him. And I think if you give Darnold, let's say, someone like a Justin Jefferson, you give him an Alexander Madison, a Tyson Chandler, you, you give him Kevin O'Connell, uh, I think if Kirk Cousin leaves Minnesota, there's a good chance Sam Darnold is the one getting the call now. They can trade up for a quarterback. They can draft somebody. It can certainly happen. There's so much time in between now and April, which is only three months away, right? Um, I do think Sam Darnold looked good enough to at least be another bridge quarterback in the NFL. Uh, on the day, finished 16 for 26, had 180 passing yards, 
had one passing touchdown uh, and then one rushing touchdown on the day. Uh, and we'll dive into his, you know, his good throws, you can say, because early in this game, I thought Sam Darnold was playing arguably the best he ever has. Now, again, you lose by one point. Now, many of that is Jake Moody's fault, but you lose by one point. Second half wasn't as good as the first half. We know this. Uh, but when it came to just singularly or singling out his play in itself, I thought Sam Darnold looked like a viable option at quarterback for a handful of teams that need somebody. Uh, you don't think the Falcons wouldn't want Sam Darnold after this year? Because <laughs> yikes, uh, what they have going on over there is, is disgusting. Um, but there were a handful of plays, on, even on the first drive of this game, uh, Darnold escapes the pocket, escapes some pressure, uh, runs to his right and throws crossbody to Charlie Warner for 20 yards downfield. Right there in itself, escapes pressure, doesn't get rattled, and finds the man to extend the drive, extend the play. Uh, later in that drive on third and four, Darnold steps up in the pocket and finds Ayuk on a comebacker. Um, and then, even on that first drive again, He's checking things down, literally no look. <laughs> like, Sam Darnold's making no-look check-down passes to Elijah Mitchell. Now, it's a check-down, but when you see the quarterback looking this way and the ball's going that way, and you're like, hey, his head didn't move. Obviously, his eyes did. But it's basically a no-look check-down pass. Like, I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. If you're Kyle Shanahan and... Brock Purdy doesn't play in this game, and I'm sure in the back of his mind there is some some thought of, hey, you know, I've seen Jimmy G go down, I saw Trey Lance go down, I had to freaking play Josh Johnson last year in the biggest playoff game of the season. Um, I'm sure there is some, you know, if Brock Purdy, fingers crossed, it doesn't happen, but if Brock Purdy does indeed happen to have a stinger again, that Sam Darnold could come in and do some, at least maybe some damage or at least keep us in a game against someone like Tampa Bay or against someone maybe like the Eagles or even somebody like the Rams where Donald does have like I talked about it so much in the offseason when they signed him I get the stats aren't good I get the Jets and the Panthers history on him just makes him feel dirty but what Sam Donald like the arm talent that he has is probably the best on the team. Uh, now, I, 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 I do think Brock Purdy has kind of closed that gap by what he's done with the deep ball this year, but just sheer arm talent, not talking about decision-making, processing, uh, Sam Darnold has always had one of the better arms in the entire league, and, I, and I, I do think in the first half of this one, when you're making no-look check-down passes, extending, the, extending plays, maneuvering in the pocket... I do think there was a lot of good on display for Sam Darnold. Uh, continuing on here with him, uh, even again on that first drive, this was like the first drive. If, if you point to like, hey, put your best work on tape, 
I, I truly think it was this first drive. They march all the way down the field, 75 yards, score a touchdown. Um, but on that first drive, you saw kind of an RPO, right? Or at least an option for a quarterback where he fakes, hands the ball off, and he finds Ayuk on a slant in between two defenders. That ball had to be perfect timing to fit it in. Um, and in an offense that is so tied to timing and so timing based to make that throw it's really impressive it, it's throws like that that will make other quarterbacks that run a similar system like the vikings right and make you say okay like that's impressive like those are plays that extend drives instead of a second eight it's a second three it's plays like that that make you say hey can we have an upgrade over Nick Mullins or Joshua Jobs, right? Um, and I do think that Darnold on that first drive, if, if he's going into free agency and they say, hey, show us your film reel, it's like, look at this first drive of Sam Darnold's. Um, but it didn't stop there because even later in this game, what does he do? Uh, he climbs the pocket and he finds Chris Conley for 48 yards down the field over a defender uh maybe Darnold's best throw certainly his best deep ball of the game um had a handful of those dropped Conley dropped one later in this one too even McLeod dropped one uh, on the final drive of the game so um some of his yardage is definitely hindered by receivers not completing passes and completing catches but I thought Darnold was again at least in this first you know first half really impressive San Francisco should have won this game and I think if you're Kyle Shanahan, you have, like, there is no, well, I'll, I'll rephrase this here. Well, yes, if Brock Purdy goes down, they're still like, oh my goodness, we lost our MVP quarterback. There's going to be a drop-off. But in a system like this, where he's going to have Debo, going to have Kittle, McCaffrey, uh, Brandon Ayuk, like, I don't think there is this, we're going to tremble and just crumble under the pressure. Um... I think Sam Darnold was good. And I think for him, in the showcase game, I think he has put himself, I don't want to say in the upper echelon, but he's going to get offers. He's going to likely be out of San Francisco next season, barring something crazy happening. Um, and he's going to find himself probably in a battle with a young quarterback fighting for quarterback number one next year, whether it's Atlanta, my pick is Minnesota if Kirk Cousins leaves. Um, and I wouldn't even be surprised if it's a Denver you know, Broncos situation where it's like, hey, we have some weapons. We just need a quarterback that's cheaper. We're not tied to for too long and can actually make some plays. Um, now, is the, the Kyle Shanahan effect on Darnold bigger than what it looked like? I'm sure it probably is. But I do think you put him in a similar system. Like, Darnold put really good things on tape yesterday. And if Brock Purdy goes down, um, again, hoping he doesn't. Because if he does, uh, I'm sure there will still be people saying, including myself, saying, like, oh my god, <laughs> like here we go again. Uh, we lost our MVP caliber quarterback, but... I do think there is a, a realm of possibility where if Brock Purdy does go down, San Francisco can still win a playoff game, which you were not saying last year. Like, had Sam Darnold played the Eagles last year, probably don't win that game, but we certainly aren't getting blown out in that game if this is the same Sam Darnold he will put on display in years to come. Um, Carson Wentz in this one, I thought was also really good. 17 for 24, two touchdown passes. Um... Carson Wentz is one of the most confusing people in the NFL. So 
goes from, you know, top tier talent, what number one overall pick ahead of Jared Goff, um, is an MVP, supposed to be winner, tears the ACL, can't come back, Nick Foles uh, steals his thunder, Bendis can't figure it out, goes to the Colts, isn't that good anymore, they lose the Jaguars last week of the season, uh, and they don't go to the playoffs, those are the commanders last year, we actually see Carson Wentz last season against Washington late in the year, um, and then it just doesn't have a job, and I think for Carson Wentz, he's always had the body, he's always had the physical tools, but the ACL injury com just completely derailed his career, which certainly just awful for him. But he is the best quarterback at NDSU, um, and what he like, he, he actually can still play. Like I again, him or he, along with Donald, I think what he did yesterday, you put them in a Kyle Shanahan, McVay, Chris O'Connell, a floor-like system, McDaniel-like system. Um, I'll be McDaniel has a lot of different things going on there. I do think that there is like a chance he's going to have a job next year. Like he looked really good. And especially when you have a player who tore the ACL, who just wasn't the same afterwards, but is a big bodied guy, he ran the football 17 times. I counted 14, 14 designed quarterback runs for Carson Wentz yesterday. 17 carries, 56 yards. He was the entire, both teams. He was the leading rusher for both teams yesterday. 56 yards and one touchdown. Three total touchdowns for Carson Wentz yesterday. Um, really impressive, making layered throws, extending a lot of plays, even plays that ended up being sacks. You were like, how the heck did he do that? Um, now, fresh legs against backups. What does it mean? Who knows? But I do think, again, like Darnold, you put Wentz in a system where there's not a lot of pressure. He can make easy throws. Don't put him in Washington again. Don't put him in, in, in the Colts with Frank Reich a couple years ago. You get him a Shanahan-like system where it makes the quarterback's job 10 times easier. Um, Darnold and Wentz are smart quarterbacks. They can process pretty well. Uh, I do think if you put both those guys in a Shanahan-like system, uh, at least what was showcased yesterday, like... That was the plan, and they did both did a great job for their stock going into free agency. Uh, moving along here, Elijah Mitchell, 14 carries, 52 yards, and one rushing touchdown. Um, Mitchell's always been that mixed bag for me because, on one hand, everyone points to 2021. They had Jeff Wilson. He got hurt, uh, and there really was nobody else. He lost Raheem Mostert, who was going to step up, and it was Debo and Elijah Mitchell. Everyone says that Mitchell was so good that year and he proved so much. And you're like, yeah, he did. And then since then, he's been a shell of himself. He can't stay healthy. He was awful against the Rams in the NFC Championship game. And he just hasn't been, you know, who we thought he was going to be uh, as a raging Cajun sixth round pick, right? But the past few weeks, I think we are seeing a much healthier version of Elijah Mitchell. He's actually played two games and not been hurt. Um, now, he, he did get sick in between this game, but he did play. Uh, has touchdowns in back-to-back -back games. Got his first one against the Commanders last week. Got one against the Rams yesterday as well. Um, and I think with him, the sign of him being healthy is how aggressive and how much contact he's looking for. When he's not right, he's trying to avoid contact. When he's healthy... He is lowering his shoulder, running into linebackers, unafraid to take on safeties, 
coming downhill against him. And in this game, there was one run for 14 yards where you said, man, like that is the Elijah Mitchell that I know. That is the Elijah Mitchell that we we saw in 2021. And again, you add that to a Christian McCaffrey backfield, um, you got yourself a one-two punch that might be the best in football next to Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs in Detroit. Uh, another reason why you don't want to play the Lions, right? But uh, Elijah Mitchell, like, good stuff. I hope we're not seeing a report on today or Tuesday where it's like, you got hurt again, and you're like, God, like, come on, man. Like, what are you doing here? But uh, yesterday, impressive for him. Um, outside of running, um, Elijah Mitchell made maybe one of the biggest mistakes of the game yesterday, and that came in pass blocking. Um, initially, I didn't see what exactly happened, but it was a third down play. San Francisco needs to get a first down here, get back on the board, extend the drive. I believe they're down 21 to 20 at this point. If not, it's uh, a 20 to 14. Uh, or excuse me, it's 21-20, sorry. Um, my notes are all discombobulated, so stick with me here. 21-20, um, <laughs> to 20, and Darnold drop, drops back. Matt Pryor's praying right tackle, who him in himself is already a liability out there. Uh, he drops back. Mitchell undercuts to the right tackle as the defender's making his move. Pryor's like, uh, I can't do anything here because I got tiny Elijah Mitchell Mighty Mouse behind me, like undercutting my arm as the defender's running by me. What do I do? Darnold gets sacks, the, the, the drive ends, and you're like, what the heck was that? Now, my initial thought was Matt Pryor, oh my goodness. But now it's like, what are you doing, Elijah? Like... You can't, like, if, if you're going to help block, fine. But don't undercut your right tackle. <laughs> like, it sounds so simple. I get it. You're in the heat of the moment. Things happen fast. Maybe Elijah didn't see him. Uh, that goes into poor awareness. But you're sitting there and you're like, this is a third down play. And McCaffrey doesn't do that. Jordan Mason won't do that. Um, which we'll get into Jordan Mason's usage because it was so bad yesterday. Uh, but, or, or at least I, I have questions about it. But... Elijah Mitchell running the football, you get you get an A, you get a B plus, right? But pass blocking, um, you're already a small guy who likes contact. I love that mentality, but don't undercut your right tackle. <laughs> like you're gonna get, even if it's Sam Darnold, you're gonna get Brock Purdy killed doing that kind of stuff. So uh, uh, maybe we don't have Elijah Mitchell in pass blocking uh, situations again, Kyle. That's just me, but. I digress. Uh, moving on here, Jordan Mason, uh, only six carries, 36 yards, the most efficient runner yesterday, uh, led both teams minus Devo Samuel with six yards on the ground per carry. Uh, also had the longest run of the day for 16 yards between both teams. Um, and I, I'm just still confused as to what's the plan here. Now, I even said coming into this one, uh, maybe you want to save Jordan Mason because he is so good on special teams. You already got McLeod back. You have Mason out there. You're hoping you get George Odom back to kind of complete your special teams trio, right, that you brought in a couple of years back to complete that unit, make it better. Um, I was a proponent of not using Mason, but when they started using him, it was like, okay, the point is here to keep Mitchell fresh 
for the playoffs and escape with no injuries. The MCLs for Mitchell are always a problem. The ankles are always a problem, um, which, again, he looked healthy coming out of the game, but he only gave Jordan Mason six carries. If the plan was to keep your special teams unit fresh, then I had no problem with it. Um, but let's just work under the assumption that something else happened. Uh, I know it sounds weird doing so, but uh, when your running back is your young running back, mind you, who I think has proven to be your second best rushing uh, rusher on the team, uh, maybe outside of Debo and McCaffrey, uh, he's getting six yards a pop and... I thought in this one, Mason had arguably one of the best plays of the game. Um, despite only getting one to two carries in the second half, I thought Mason had an amazing play in this game. He caught the ball one time. Darnold on the move, Mason kind of cuts up and then kind of spins around, catches the ball, makes a guy miss and goes for 12 yards. And I was like, wow, like you wouldn't expect Jordan Mason to be a stout pass catcher. And although only one play, I was like, okay, like, you're making guys miss in the open field. You're doing the darn thing. You're a big-bodied guy who I don't think anybody wants to face one-on-one, especially the smaller secondary of the Rams right now. Again, there's backups on the field, but um, for Jordan Mason, it's second and 20. He makes a guy miss and gives you a third and eight. And you're like, those are the moves that change the outcomes of games. And I believe that was on the drive where uh, they get the interception off Taylor Hawkins. Banks gets the holding call, moves him back to second and 20. On the very next play, Mason gets you 12, giving you a manageable, although not perfect, you know, not, not ideal, a manageable third and eight to get yourself four or five more yards and give Jake Moody a chance for a field goal. Um, without Jordan Mason on there, that field goal is never kicked. Now he missed it, mind you, and we'll get into Jake Moody in a second here, but what Jordan Mason did was make a, you know, a, a winning kind of play, a game or a play that changes the outcomes of games. Now, if Moody makes that field goal, we're sitting here talking about Jordan Mason's second and 20, 12 yard play being arguably the biggest of the game for the offense to set up that field goal in the third quarter, right? And so, like, I don't want his effort to go unnoticed because Jordan Mason has been I think this team's second best running back for two years now. Uh, last year, he was deemed the closer, right? The whole offseason, it was he's the closer. This year, he's not closing games because Mitchell's healthy, which is fine. But Mason, I think, has really improved throughout his two years now in San Francisco. And I, and I want to give him credit for doing and getting the darn thing done. Um, let's go to the receivers now because uh, Debo Samuel... Uh, good old, uh, good old chain grabbing, chain tucking Debo Samuel. Um, you can just tell that he's physically right, he's mentally healthy, and he is ready to go. Uh, even in a game that meant absolutely nothing for him, in a game where he could have had zero catches for zero yards, could have been inactive, could have done nothing, and we would have said, whatever. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. It's the Rams. Debo wants to play. He wants to keep that motor going, right? For a player like Debo, it's really important to, you know, keep that momentum rolling. Don't take two weeks off because then you lose a little edge right um there was a play in this game it's back-to-back plays too it's so funny um Darnold completes a pass to Debo towards the left sideline uh, Debo gets called for us for offensive pass interference and you're like okay like Stebo being Debo kind of messing around having some fun in the very next play on first and 20 they give Debo like a six yard you know little you know a little crosser over the middle a little flat route, and he stiff arms the you-know-what out of a Rams defender, pushes that mother you-know-what to the ground and runs 15 yards for a near first down, making it second and five. And it was like, okay, like, Debo's ready. Debo is ready to go for the playoffs. I get it's the Rams. He hates the Rams, always plays more aggressive against them, but you can tell that uh, in a game that meant nothing, uh, he was certainly out there trying to do some damage. Adebo Samuel looks ready to go for the playoffs. Had two catches for 21 yards. Had one rush for 11 with 32 yards on the day. Uh, again, Debo being Debo averaging almost 11 yards per play per touch that he had. Um, with that 15-yarder stiff-arming a linebacker to the ground. Just abusing the Rams still in a meaningless game in week 18 yesterday. Just, you can tell he's ready to go. It doesn't matter if he's playing the Rams, the Bucks, the Eagles, Cowboys. It doesn't matter. You can tell if Debo's healthy. Uh, we are going to see lights out all pro Debo once again. Uh, at least that's what I'm seeing. It looks like that physically he's like, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to crush somebody if I get the ball in my hands. And that's really exciting for a Niners team that when you get a healthy CMC, a a should have been Pro Bowl Brandon Ayuk and a freaking filthy, disgusting, I want to get grimy and dirty and run through someone, Debo Samuel. um, We're going to have some fun in the playoffs this year. Um, Then getting to the other receivers, I don't like Chris Conley. Yeah. McLeod was okay. Like, McLeod is really the special teams guy, right? Where he can make an explosive play on the end around here or there against the Commanders last year. And you're like, cool, great. You know, there's more depth with him on the field. Um, Ronnie Bell was like, Chris Conley drops a few passes, makes a few big plays, and you go find He's a veteran player. He's a, he's a fine sixth, seventh receiver, right? He'll be a, an active roster guy who you're like, when, when our starters aren't playing, in the final week of the season, go out there and get some reps. Stay healthy in case you have to play come playoff time. Uh, then you have, you know, your, your McLeods who, again, you're happy to have him back on the field because you don't have Jawan Jennings yet, so it gives you some more confidence with McLeod being your receiver number three, either in the slot or just giving you more depth. Um, but then, on the same day like this, McLeod, it's his first game back, so you want to give him leniency, right? Like, Darnold has a broken play. He passes deep, and McLeod just drops the football. And you're just like, oh, like, I get it's your first game back. You have, you know, what, four days of practice. You want to give him some, you know, some leniency here, and I will do so. I like McLeod still. But it was just like, Ray Ray. <laughs> like, 
if by chance we have to go into a playoff game without Juwan because the concussion continues to linger, I don't know how much confidence there is in anybody besides Debo and Ayuk. Now, we've had those two guys for the past two weeks without Jennings. Um, now, three weeks without Jennings. So, you know, it just depends on how you feel. But right now, it really is like my confidence is only in Ayuk and uh, Debo Samuel. Uh, then you have Ronnie Bell, who caught a touchdown pass. I believe it's his second of the season. If not, it's his third. Forgive me if I'm wrong there. Um, but it's so funny because on a day where he gets a touchdown pass, he's out there screaming and yelling, having a good time. And we're like, look at Ronnie Bell, right? Like he might be the person to overtake Jawan Jennings if Jennings leaves in the offseason, right? Um, and on the exact same in the exact same game, Ronnie Bell, you get the good touchdown pass, and you get the like, what the heck are you doing kind of stuff, where literally on third and 14, Donald overshoots Bell. There was miscommunication there. I, th I think Donald wanted him to cut back inside towards the, the hash mark, towards the seam. Bell was towards the sideline more. And they cut on the TV to Shanahan and Debo sitting there like, like, you know what's going to happen, right? And Shanahan's like, what are you doing? And you're just like, Ronnie, oh, <laughs> like, you, you got a touchdown pass, man. Like, you're riding high, and all of a sudden, Shanahan's like, this is why I redshirt players. This is why you saw people like Brandon Ayuk and Dante Pettis and Danny Gray and... Albeit Ronnie Bell has performed better than Danny Gray and Dante Pettis, I think, or at least has shown more promise over a full season of play on a really good team. You sit back and you're like, Shanahan sitting there like, my doghouse, put the heaters on, get the blankets ready, buddy, because you're, you're going to be in there in a hot second. You fumbled a handful of times on punt returns, now you're running wrong routes, it's just like, okay, like... <laughs> Ronnie Bell, playoffs might be inactive for a little bit, or, you know, could definitely see him uh, right in the pine for a hot minute once the playoffs come, especially if Juwan Jennings is back. I do think Ronnie Bell has put himself in a good position to impress Shanahan next offseason in OTAs, in minicamp. Uh, he's already jumped Danny Gray on the depth chart if Juwan Jennings leaves. And this is the last we see a Bell this season. There has been good, there's been bad. What else do you expect from a rookie? This next offseason program for him is going to be massive for how much he plays. I can't wait to see what he can do. Going to defense now. Uh, Oren Burks replacing Fred Warner. No Greg Greenlaw yesterday, which was good. Um, he had Achilles tendinitis precautionary. George Kittle had back spasms, didn't play for obvious reasons. Um, but Oren Burks had seven tackles on the day for San Francisco that ranked or tied for second on the team with Logan Ryan behind Isaiah Oliver and Demetrius Flanagan Falls. Oren Burks got his first, yes, first complete sack, no half sacks here, got his first complete sack of his NFL career. So, Congrats to Oren Burks. I think played pretty well yesterday. Um, then you move down back towards some rookies and you see somebody like D. Winters and you say, hey, you know, he was supposed to be the gem of the draft. Give him a year or two. Could be an Al Shire. Um, many folks said give him some time. Could easily replace Dre Greenlaw in a handful of seasons once he gets up to par. Um, 
abundantly clear he's not there yet. Shouldn't have expected him to be, but there's a reason why he has not been playing too much. Uh, many, many misplays for D. Winters yesterday. Now, if there was going to be a PFF grade, I'm assuming it's nowhere near near even the 40s. Um, we're talking 30s. Like, I like D. Winters. TCU, his tape against Michigan was great in that playoff game. Outside of that, there's hits and misses. You got to be more consistent. It felt like he was around the ball a ton, but just was making just miss missing tackles. Um, a lot, a lot to learn for the young linebacker. He has plenty of time uh, with uh, Warner and Greenlaw under contract here for a handful of more seasons. Um, but for a young player who, unlike Ronnie Bell, hasn't really proven anything, um, I do think D. Winters is going to find himself probably not even like he's like it feels like he's going to be buried on the depth chart even next year too which isn't what you want to see um there's a whole off season to improve maybe that changes um when you have guys like fred and greenlaw they can certainly teach you up and coach you up and then you can and you have johnny holland there doing his his dirty work behind the scenes right um i just hope winters brings the motor he has because if, if winters is playing like he did in tcu we got something special. His first extended play of the season just wasn't wasn't that pretty. There's a reason why we're seeing people like Warren Burks and DFF and even at times Curtis Robinson activated over him. Uh, but first really career game where he plays a lot. There's a reason why he wasn't playing a lot. Not too much to say there. Uh, Robert Beal Jr., when you lose Clellan Farrell, you say, who's going to step up, um, albeit very different roles on a game where you want to rest Nick Bosa and want to rest Chase Young. Uh, didn't get to rest Chase Young too much in this game, uh, but uh, Robert Beal Jr. had a handful of tackles, had three on the day, and also got his first tackle for loss, got a quarterback hit, and got his first career sack of his young NFL career Congratulations to Robert Beal Jr. Uh, wasn't active for a handful of the season and almost did a half of it right. Didn't play in training camp and OTAs because um, of injury. Uh, but you get some extended play. You make some impact plays. It certainly catches the eye of your defensive coordinator. And I'm sure Chris Kosarek is sitting there like, yes, give us a speed rusher opposite Nick Bosa once Chase Young likely leaves in the offseason. And don't forget, Randy Gregory gone. Chase Young, probably gone. Uh, Clellan Farrell, likely gone. Uh, we're going into, although the playoffs, don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves here, we're going into an offseason where three of this team's you know, key rotational pieces slash starters are likely going to be out the building, and it's going to be again Nick Bosa and Drake Jackson and Robert Beal Jr. Somebody's got to step up if Beal can be that guy and be a speed rusher and just do one thing really well um and that's being again a speed rusher opposite nick bosa it's a good thing for san francisco impressed by him yesterday in his first extended action of the nfl season moving to the secondary uh taylor hawkins four tackles one interception first interception of his career um uh, taylor hawkins is somebody who i thought was going to make the team last year Spent most of the season on the practice squad. Liked what I saw from him in OTAs and training camp, but got injured, got cut, got re-signed to the practice squad about a quarter of the way through the season. 
Um, then this team loses Hufunga. Then Jaya Brown gets hurt. George Odom gets hurt. And you're like, okay, who's playing safety? Uh, Want to give a ton of credit to Hawkins and Logan Ryan. Both those guys starting and playing the entire game for San Francisco. Uh, and even Hawkins going further into his, his game, uh, he almost got half a sack on the play where Burks got his first full sack. So uh, Hawkins, I thought, played really well. Now, had one blunder on the day, but you get a pick. You put your team in a position to get a field goal, get some points. The offense fails, mind you, but you do your job defensively. You get a pick, get a takeaway. You you make a really nice diving catch. Like most people don't make that play. It's a diving catch by Hawkins for interception. Great job by him. Again, it's 14 to seven. If Moody makes that field goal, we're sitting here saying San Francisco wins 23-21. Uh, he did later get called for a 48-yard defensive pass interference on a deep pass by Carson Wentz, which gave or would you know set up a Rams touchdown. But uh, I'll forgive you, <laughs> Taylor Hawkins. I, I, I like your game, and when it's your first career start, uh, you can forgive some late game maybe tired reps right it's okay like it, it happens it's fine but I, I thought Hawkins played a pretty good game uh for San Francisco and it feels like every time there's a good thing for San Francisco's whether it's defensive line and the secondary then you have something that isn't too great and by too great you look at Daryl Luter Jr. so let's go back to Luter Jr. and, and his whole draft time right where you know where is he going to get picked san francisco met with him like five times they loved him coming out of uh south alabama right they pick him and i believe the fifth round or sixth round late round guy right where you're like he's lengthy he has he has a body to him he'll be a good man cover cornerback you know he should be one of the guys you lean on whether it's this year not going to happen but next year and years to come uh, not knowing who Avery Thomas or Womack was going to be when this year started. Um, the expectation was Luter could be a player in some time for you in San Francisco. But um, gets hurt, doesn't really take part in training camp, doesn't take part in preseason, misses half the actual NFL season, makes his return on Thanksgiving, has a touchdown-saving tackle on special teams in that game, then doesn't play much afterwards. In this game, you go, great. Like We get to see a little bit of Daryl Luter Jr. in this one, how he covers and whatnot. Now, again, it's against backups, but uh, still, what's the technique like? You know, if a rookie can come in and shut down a, you know, a five-year vet like Tyler Johnson as a backup, that, that's a good thing for him. It's expected of him. Now, I don't think he was awful. I thought he was a rookie, <laughs> which isn't a bad thing. But on a play in this game, right after his rookie cohort, Robert Beal Jr. gets his first sack. We're riding high. It's third and 17. You can shut down the LA Rams, get the ball back, maybe maybe go and win this game, right? Third and 17, it's a high-low concept coverage. And Luter bites on the underneath guy, leaving Wentz to find Hopkins for a 29-yard play on third and 17. And you're just like... How do you let that guy get that open? How do you bite that hard? Like, high-low is something practiced in college, in high school. 
Like, what are we doing? It stings. It sucks for him. Uh, that's the one you know mistake you point to and say, that's not what you want to put on film. But I will say this, with time, once the instincts build, once you have chemistry and camaraderie with the safety and your other cornerbacks, those things will likely change. How many times do we see a starting cornerback that's young come in, blow a coverage, blow a concept, and the next week it, it really isn't that big of a deal, right? Look at Ambry Thomas just two years ago. Now three years ago, which is just time is flying by, right? 2021. He looks horrible against the Falcons. The Bengals are just crushing him. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins are going deep left and right. Uh, now San Francisco wins both those games, but you're just like, we have a liability. Like we need Rep back. We need Mosley back. Oh my goodness. And with time, Thomas got better. Now, obviously starting in San Francisco again, uh, opposite Lenore and Mooney Ward, but with time, with reps, the hope is Luder can improve. And, and I truly think with an actual off-season program, with an actual training camp to go through, with preseason, and having not missed half of the regular season, I do think we would have seen a different Daryl Luter Jr. on the field this past Sunday. So I'm not going to hold it against him too much. Uh, but what I am going to do, because uh, we have a serious conversation to have, uh, because a problem that occurred during training camp and preseason and during this team's three-game losing streak has reared its ugly head potentially once again. And, um, well, it goes by the name of Jake Moody. Uh, Jake Moody. <laughs> my boy. My friend. My soft-spoken kicker out of Michigan. Go Big Blue. Am I right? Um, wow. Just the ups and downs of Jake Moody. Like, we all heard, and I talked about it so much during training camp and OTAs of like, he's kicking 64-yard field goals, you know, against the wind. He's booming thing, these things. He's got a leg. Oh my goodness. It, it's going to be awesome. They're going to be so much more aggressive with, you know, the offense and they can kick these long field goals. And I think all of that, when you look just at training camp and OTAs, was true. I think at certain times this year, it has been true. Uh, but a lot of that conversation, once preseason started, it was he's missing a handful of field goals. Like, what's going on? And it's funny with him because it never seems to be one miss. It's three in a row. It's two in a row and you're like, oh my goodness. Like, if you're a kicker, you can't have that just continue to crumble on you. You can't have it you know, domino into the next kick. You have to erase it and move on. Like... Like any position, a quarterback, you throw a pick, got to bounce back. Running back, you fumble, you got to bounce back. Um, if you're Jake Moody, <laughs> I mean, just, ugh. Like, you can't spiral out of control. You push one kick, then you push the other one even further right. And you're like, Jake, like, I don't know if he needs just to sit down and be like, I missed a kick, I'm okay, like... Everything's fine. It's one kick. Everything's going to be fine. But we all talked about if he's making game-winning field goals in the playoffs, the third-round pick draft stock next to his name means nothing. You win, Kyle. You win. You win, John. You win. 
all the talk of a perfect workout. We loved him so much. And it's like, you, you win. If, if he's helping you win games in Green Bay, in the frozen tundra, in Dallas, maybe even in Las Vegas in the Super Bowl to knock off people like Mahomes or Allen or even beating Lamar Jackson, maybe. It's like, wow, like, you, you, you win. Kyle, like, you were smart. You're better than us, okay? But then during the three-game losing streak, you missed a game-winning kick against the Browns, which could have had us clinch to the, 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 the number one seed earlier in the season. Now, who cares? We got it, right? But you could have beat the Browns, right? Then you miss a handful of kicks against the Vikings, and it's like, that wouldn't have changed the outcome of the game, but it certainly would have changed that last drive for San Francisco. And it's like, oh, okay, like, man. Like, it's never just one kick. It's one game you miss a kick. Then it's the next game you miss two kicks. Then the other game you miss one kick. And it's like, Jake, like, if you're Kyle Shanahan, if you're a Niner fan, when they made the pick, we all said a kicker, and now we're sitting here in January and Kyle's like, yeah, he missed kicks. We're not happy about it. Like, but we're not going to bring in anybody else. Um, like, like we have Rick Diaz here in the chat. Rick, I'm happy you're joining us here at 1130 in the morning. Appreciate you joining us on, on, on YouTube. If I can get this kicker to practice two weeks straight, practice those kicks, he better start quick. Um, right. Like, you Basically, what Rick is saying is you can't have your starting kicker on the greatest or at least one of the greatest Niner teams ever with Super Bowl aspirations lose a game because your kicker, your third round pick kicker missing field goals. Now, in a game like this, where it means nothing, I guess this there could be an argument of if you're going to have a game where you miss kicks, it's this one. But in reality... If you're missing kicks in meaningless games, what's to say that you're not going to miss kicks when it matters? Um, like, you missed a kick against the Brown. Like, Moody has not had, you know, game-winning kick practices, right? The only time he's had that is the Browns, and you missed it. Now, I get it. It's rainy. It's a little foggy. There's some wind. There's some elements. That's when you're supposed to flourish the most as a third-round pick kicker. Like, you have fans saying, go call Robbie Gold, who retired. Bring him back. Don't mess around. You can't have a rookie third-round pick kicker who seems to get in his own head or seems to have, you know, the missed kicks come in bunches cost you a Super Bowl, cost you an NFC title. And to give Jake Moody credit, um... It was his first mix, missed extra point of the season, but this game would have been 21-21. And had he made the 40-yard field goal, or excuse me, he missed his first field goal inside of 40 yards all season, but the issue is, you would have won that game. Like, if you're Kyle Shanahan, and in two weeks' time, no matter who you're playing, if the score is, let's say it's, I don't know, 21-23, to 23, you're down. You have two minutes to score. Do you feel comfortable sending out Jake Moody at the 36-yard line? No. You're like, you got to get me inside the 15, brother. 
you got to get me inside the 20 because there is just like there is no way I'm sending him out there to kick a 50-yard field goal, to kick a 40-yard field goal. It's, hey, we got to get this ball to the 20, and we got to make sure this thing is 33 yards to give us the best chance to make this kick because Jake Moody has been, albeit great, inside the 40, albeit great on extra points. It's a game-winning pressure situation. I can't have you missing kicks, my guy. Like, I would not, like, this won't happen. This won't happen. Shanahan will trust his guys because you already made the pick. You already stuck to him now. You already doubled down saying we're not bringing anybody else in. He's going to send Jake out there. But I guarantee you in the back of Kyle's head, he's like, we got to make sure we are in no position to put this game on Jake's shoulders, on Moody's shoulders. We got to make sure we're ahead by 10. We got to make sure we're ahead by four. We have to make sure whether it's the Bucks, the Eagles, the Lions, the Rams, it doesn't matter who we're playing in any game. You, you got to win two more games to get to where you're going. In the next three games, there is no doubt in my mind Kyle Shanahan's like, I don't want Jake kicking any field goals. Any. Unless he absolutely has to. Like, one of the beautiful things about San Francisco's offense being so good is that Jake hasn't had to make all these insane field goals. The, the trials haven't really been there for him. It's been make your extra points. We're winning by 40. We're winning by 32, right? In the times he's had to, you know, we got to have this kick to win. We have to have this kick to make it close. He's missed. Now, when you're winning a handful of games, when you're winning six games in a row and you're beating Philadelphia and Seattle twice and you're going on these massive runs, um, like, you, you can forget that Jake Moody for a better half of the season was a massive question mark. And it, the worst thing about this is, is that he has now arguably become the biggest question for this team going into its biggest games of the season. Now, I get it. The offensive line's a question mark still. There's still health issues, which should be cleared up by two weeks' time. But, like, would you feel comfortable sending out Jake Moody for a game-winning field goal that is anything longer than 37 yards? I wouldn't be. And I get it, Robbie Gold wasn't making 50-yarders. That was the whole point of getting Jake in here, a cheaper contract, bigger leg... The issue is, if you can't make a freaking chip shot, who am I to trust you? Now, I do think that for Jake Moody, he is somebody who, there's no doubt in my mind, he'll be at Levi's today making those kicks. Uh, there were talks during OTAs and training camp where he was trying to get into the building so hard on off days to make kicks. Like, Jake Moody genuinely cares. Um, he wants to make those kicks. There's no doubt in my mind Jake Moody wants to be the one when it's 23-21. to 21, San Francisco, two seconds left. Call a timeout. Jake Moody jogs out there. Foot to football. Boom. Kick is up. Kick is good. San Francisco wins the Super Bowl. Jake Moody wants to be that guy being held up as confetti falls from the sky. He wants to be the one being held up by the offensive line by Kyle Shanahan crying, saying, I made the greatest third-round pick of all time. Ha ha ha, right? 
Shanahan wants to be that guy. Moody wants to be that guy. <laughs> the difference is, I don't trust him to be that guy. I don't think most Niner fans do. Now, many people are saying it's one game. It's no big deal. But, um, I mean, if you're San Francisco, and I'm not, but if I'm Kyle Shanahan, I'm like, how do we make sure Jake never has to kick a field goal the next three games? How about it's just extra points? How about we're always winning by 10? How about Jake never has to have the game on the line for him? How about Jake Moody just sits the bench for 90% of the snaps? Just do kickoffs and just do PATs. That's all I'd like Jake to do. Um, and they asked Kyle during the game, hey, Jake's missed two kicks. How do you feel? He was like, not happy about it. It stinks. Shouldn't happen. And post game is like, we're not changing. Because yeah, you can't. Imagine that. Imagine one of the most criticized picks of the Shanahan era. Probably Trey Lance is up here. You got Solomon Thomas. And Jake Moody's in there somewhere, right? At least this past year was like, what the heck's going on? And then, especially knowing Aubrey and Dallas is freaking perfect. And he was undrafted. Now, okay, whatever it happens every once in a while. A kicker who plays soccer comes in and was great for a year, right? But... It makes it worse knowing an NFC competitor has a better kicker than you. It is due. And he's been booming kicks all year long, right? And then you have Jake, who's like the tiniest, frailest, kindest person ever. And you're like, you gotta have some dog in you, brother. I, I, I like, gotta have you out there booming these 55 yarders. Like, you're supposed to be Justin Tucker, like, if you're gonna be the, or the third highest pick kicker since 2004, my friend. Like, you're going to have to go up there and make these kicks and beat the Rams. Because if you can't beat the Browns, and you can't, and you are one of the reasons as to why we lost to the Rams in this game, although meaningless, why am I to trust you to beat the Dallas Cowboys? Or the Eagles? Or, dare I say, the Browns? Or the Ravens? Or the Bills? Like, you can't afford to take points off the board. You need to always be adding against these teams. Like, you're in the playoffs now. The kid gloves are off, my friend. There is no, he's a rookie. It's like, you better make these freaking kicks or the season might be over. Over. And if you're not going to make the kicks, like, if the season, God forbid, comes down to a Jake Moody missed field goal, that is going to be the first question asked. Kyle, third round pick kicker, just missed the biggest kick of the season. Do you still believe in him? Like, for all the folks that give Grant Cohn crap, and I, I mean, think of Grant on what you want, that's going to be a justified question he's going to ask. Kyle, third-round pick kicker. He lost to the Browns game, lost to the Rams game, and it's lost you the biggest game of the year. How do you feel? And people are going to say, what's an, you know, that's an appropriate question. No, that's a question everybody should be asking. Everybody, like, if the game comes down to Jake Moody, like, and right now it may not, it certainly could, but the confidence level is basically at like a three when it should be at a 10 for a third round pick kicker. Okay. One final, just, just got to get this out there because the NFL playoffs are set, are set, are set, are set. Next Saturday, it's the number five seed Joe Flacco led Cleveland Browns going to Houston to take on the number four seeded Houston Texans at Saturday, 1.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. 
Then you have the number six Dolphins going to the Chiefs, Kansas City, Saturday at 5 p.m. That is the Peacock game. So if you don't know Peacock, you gotta subscribe to the good old Peacock to watch the Dolphins play the Chiefs. Then Sunday, 10 a.m., number seven Steelers in Buffalo, 10 a.m. on Sunday. Later that evening, it's the number seven Green Bay Packers against the number two Dallas Cowboys, 1.30 on Sunday. And the Rams, Matthew Stafford goes back to Detroit. Number three Lions hosting the number six Rams at Sunday at 5 p.m. Then Monday night, Eagles versus the Bucks in Tampa Bay. Uh, we will have an NFL playoff preview show later on this week. Niners don't play. We will still be talking NFL football going on next weekend. This coming weekend now, going to be so, so much fun. Super wild card weekend's almost here. Hope you stick along with the show as we progress through the playoffs. I'm sad. No Niners football for two weeks. What am I supposed to do with my life? I'm so sad. But I will say this. The news is not going to stop. The podcasts aren't going to stop. You can follow us on social media at 49ers underscore access is the X or Twitter. 49ers dot access is the Instagram. Injury updates, hot takes, where this team is going, where they're headed. All the news surrounding San Francisco is going to be on those two platforms. If you want to go to a playoff game, if you want to be there at Levi Stadium supporting this team, heck, if we even make it to the Super Bowl, fingers crossed, we do one game at a time. But if you want to go to the Super Bowl, you can use our promo code 49ersaccess. 49ersaccess at seatgeek.com and save yourself $20 off your first purchase. Look, the regular season is over from July to January. It's been a long, long ride of OTAs, minicamp, training camp, preseason. The season is officially over for the San Francisco 49ers, but we have playoff football on the way. Number one seeded San Francisco waiting to see who we play in just two weeks' time at Levi Stadium in Santa Clara. I cannot wait. Stay tuned for the NFL Playoff Preview Podcast and show coming out later this week. Gonna be a doozy. But until then, my name is Sterling Bennett asking you to like, share, subscribe on YouTube. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe on the audio platforms you're listening on, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or even Apple Podcasts. It means so much. Leave a review, give us five stars, tell us anything you want in the review itself, or just give us five stars and go about your day. Right, the holidays are over. We are officially into playoff time. We want to see the show grow and grow and grow, because guess what? Playoff time, it's gonna be insane. Can't wait for that. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And until next time, my name is Sterling Bennett, and stay faithful. Stay faithful.